following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. For all these things, I compare it to when you have a baby and they get older and older and older and you start talking about college. It's not like you wait until the day after they graduate from high school and say, oh, hey, how much money is this going to cost? And it's something similar with mom and dad that you need to start early on. So you know, here's where mom and dad want to live or here's where they need to live. Here's how much money they have. Here's what they can afford. Here's what they can't afford. And and one last point that can make your life a whole lot easier or a whole lot more difficult is knowing their passwords. If you don't know how to get into their iPhone, you're sunk. This episode of Two Kids and a Career is brought to you by Elemental Aesthetics. You can be guaranteed that your experience is going to be unique and customized to your specific needs. See how they can help you focus on natural beauty enhancements by visiting ElementalAesthetics.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to this week's episode of Two Kids and a Career. And I have talked about this week's topic maybe mm, only once or twice in the number of episodes I've released. And it's mostly because right now in my life, I am in the season of littles. I have a five and a three-year-old. And so I don't really have a lot of, well, I don't have a lot of thought, I guess, into thinking about my parents aging. And even though I know that's happening, I kind of maybe have myself in a little bit of a bubble, but I need to get out of that bubble I've often said, too, that I got some great advice from a woman one time that said you should always have someone a season ahead of you or two seasons ahead of you to help you and to guide you and to give you advice. And I don't think that my guests this week are two seasons ahead of me, but at least a season ahead of me. <laughs> Mike and Kim Barnes, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes, we hope we're not we're not we're not too much older. Yes. Not, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> well, listen, I am considered uh, the advanced maternal age as far as my kiddos, so I am <laughs> the older parent. Which that is something that I have to face, and I also have to deal with my own self because there is a whole different set of rules, so to speak, with that because that is still fairly new. And I think that it is going to continue to adapt as the generations come. But right now in my group of friends, I, my husband and I, yes, we are the older parents. So we are going to be in this situation where I don't even know. Like, I don't even know sandwich generation. I don't know if that's going to be a thing for us. I don't know anything. So I Mm -hmm. would love to talk through this with you. Um, You are offering advice. You're helping with parenting, aging parents, also dealing with your own children. But before we get into that, can we please talk about your little background? I mean, for me, there's a little bit of 
I kind of feel like I I have this connection with you because you guys were in TV and I was in radio. So can we start with that first? Sure. sure. I was a sportscaster in Austin for 29 years. And uh, uh, when I left my job about three years ago, joined Kim and we did some on-air coaching and, and, and public speaking coaching. And when COVID started, Zoom coaching to help people be more comfortable being on camera. And, uh, and then uh, for the last year or so, we've uh, done parenting, aging parents, trying to help people be more ready, I guess, for, for what they have to go through as a caregiver. And my television background, I was, I was news. We always had this kind of funny little, not even a rivalry, but Mike always preferred sports. I always preferred news. Uh, but I was a news anchor and reporter for about 15 years. And then even after leaving the newsroom, I continued to do on-air work, some commercials, some corporate videos, voiceover work, and that kind of thing. And that kept me busy along with, I started the company before, while Mike was still working at the TV station, doing on-camera coaching and training and that kind of thing. All right. Well, there is clearly a reason why you started this, why you have transitioned from what you did in television to what you're doing now. So talk about that personal experience. What led you to do this, to to be talking to me, to be talking to others? (laughs) I guess I kind of get the blame because my mom has Alzheimer's. And, you know, Alzheimer's is not an overnight type of thing as, as she was getting worse and worse and worse. You know, she got it about 10 years ago is when she started showing signs. And my sister and I talked to my dad and said, you know, they lived about an hour east of Dallas out in the country and didn't get much interaction with anyone besides themselves. And my dad didn't cook. So when my mom's Alzheimer's was getting worse, he would take her out to, to, to a breakfast, take her out to lunch, take her out to dinner, which was okay. But again, no interaction from my mom. So my sister and I talked to my dad and said, we really think it's going to be best for her and, and for you if you move into independent living. So they did that. My dad was a little reluctant at first and then said, son, that's the best thing I've ever done. Oh, thank you so much. And then, you know, about five years after that, as mom's Alzheimer's was getting worse and it was really getting bad, we talked to my dad again and said, we're going to have to move mom into memory care, but you're going to have to be behind it 100%. Otherwise, it's not going to work because we know this is going to be so tough on you. You've been married for 60 plus years. And my sister and I, he he turned it over to us and said, okay, that's fine. Y'all are in charge. So my sister and I went and looked at four memory care places very close to the independent living place where they lived. And, you know, we went in knowing that not that we needed it at the time, but we had a power of attorney, a medical directive. We had a will. We we talked finances with my dad, so we knew what he could afford. And we get in and, well, it felt like we were just looking at apartments, like, oh, this is going to be easy. Let's just find the best, you know, one bedroom, one bath. This will be a piece of cake. <laughs> we were so overwhelmed because we didn't know what to look for, what questions to ask, if there were red flags to look for. And I came home and I told Kim, I said, I really feel like if we feel this prepared and we feel so overwhelmed that most people are going to really feel overwhelmed. And I feel like we should start something to, to help people so they're not in the same situation. And during the time after Mike's parents first moved to independent living, that kind of gave me a little bit of a an edge in, if you will, because we had been talking to my mom who is single and lives in about three hours away from me in Houston, that we had been talking to her for a while about you know, would you consider independent living? Because I think that that would be a lot more fun for you. You wouldn't have to cook. You don't have to worry about the house maintenance. You don't have to, she wasn't driving at that time. So there's people all around. You can have activities and all of that. And she was very resistant at first. 
even though her her parents had lived in an independent living as well, but she was still a little bit resistant. So I kind of used Mike's parents moving and, oh my gosh, they're having so much fun and blah, blah, blah. And that kind of helped start the conversation at least to get her moved. But different from, for us, my situation, we've had less sort of medical issues. I mean, there've been a few of those, but less significant medical issues. It's been more about getting scammed, having to take the finances away uh, and taking over some of that that independence, you know, really telling her that she can't drive anymore. And, and, and that's really, really tough. Yeah. So it's definitely two different topics that we're going to cover today. Uh, I want to start with the first thing that's coming to my mind, and that is the will and trust and the medical directive. So it's top of mind for me because my husband and I we just recently went through all of that. And I remember uh, probably when I was still on the radio, I had done this public affairs show and I had talked to these individuals that were a part of hospice. And, and it really was hard for me to talk to them. And they said, you know, listen, hospice does not have to be a sad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and they really kind of made me start to think about, you know, what is it that I want at the end? What, what do I want? And to get that all out there. Well, then, you know, fast forward, we have little girls and uh, like I said, we're considered advanced maternal age. (laughs) um, So it was really super important to make sure not only that we're protecting our girls, but that they don't have to make some of these tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And that I know is not, there are people I've talked to recently, they're like, oh, you guys already have your, your will and Mm -hmm. testament. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. we kind of were forced to in the fact that we started thinking about that more. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I'm going to say is like, do that for your children, because Mm -hmm. you don't want them to have to make these decisions. And it's already hard enough, I imagine, to talk to your parents about some things that they need to do. You don't want to have to do that. So that's the one thing I wanted to, to bring up as just my experience with that. Yeah. A little public service announcement. Yes. Right. Right. (laughs) Get that. But then on the medical side though, uh, I, I mean, I don't even know how hard that must be for you to, to have those tough conversations with your parents. And that is one thing that I know that you guys can help with. And I can only imagine my, mom's parents are still living and there's been some very tough conversations and I've seen some resistance um, on certain things and you can only do so much too as the child and then it doesn't make me want to think about my parents but it does and I don't know I just feel a little like lost with all that kind of stuff so on the medical side, because I definitely want to talk about the scamming and my gosh, dating too, like <laughs> you, you, oh, but uh, or text messaging. My dad finally got a smartphone, you guys, and oh, it's goodness. so funny. But it, yeah, how do you navigate that medical side where okay, 
there's Alzheimer's and this is something we need to take into consideration or this is what's happening and you should not be driving. Well, I think that some of those discussions and or that legal paperwork, the challenge is, is that if you wait until you need it, it's too late. (sighs) Yeah. And in many ways, I think that doing what we're doing has made us think similar to you okay, do we have all of the documentation in place for each other and for our children? We just went through the whole exercise a couple of months ago to make sure that we had all of our medical directives and HIPAA and all of those. And frankly, actually had our kids who are in their 20s do it. And that was, yeah. it was a little weird, unsettling for, for, for them to have to make some of those decisions about, you know, end of life and, and things like that. But in some ways, it, now, it's, now it's just done. And I think that hopefully will be, uh, good for them. We we frankly just, uh, you know, this was kind of, it's funny now because we took care of it, but we realized at the time that we thought we were being so responsible and we got a will as soon as our son was born because that was important. However, we realized we had never updated it. So our daughter was mm. not in it. So she is now. So it, it's all, it's all good. It's all <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, she, she was much relieved <laughs> to hear that. She's like, oh yeah, that's the youngest always gets forgotten. But I think that so much of it is if we can think about and this was what we were thinking about is that this is a gift for our children to try to make things so much easier because we have our paperwork in order. If they do need to step in and care for us, this will make it so much easier. And I think for our parents, if we can appeal to that fact that mom and dad, even though we, and certainly the earlier you have those conversations, the, the really the easier they are because you can kind of have them a little bit lightheartedly versus mm-hmm. when it is, well, you broke your hip and you're in skilled nursing and you're having to go to rehab and all of that. And, and where it, where it seems a little bit more challenging at that time, or it seems a little more real. Well, you know, when they're, when they're in their seventies <laughs> or eighties or even their nineties and you start bringing up, Hey, should we put a will together? Hey, how about a power of attorney? It almost sounds like Give me your money. How, how do I get your money? Give, give me your money. Or death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, sure. Yeah. And, and that's not what it is. It's just to, to make to make the child's life a little bit easier. But it all goes back to communication and even the medical stuff. You know, my my, my sister and my dad and I have been very open about my mom's Alzheimer's with each other talking about it. And my mom didn't like to talk about it when it first started showing up. And she still doesn't even think she has it. But being able to discuss it has made it easier for us. It made it easier as we started the process of looking at memory care places and made it easier as we went through the process of moving her to memory care. And it's made it easier as my dad goes to have to visit her, uh, you know, a couple times a week or three times a week as she's living a mile and a half away after 62 years of marriage. And that's tough on him, but he talks yeah. about it with me and he talks about it with my sister and we have an open communication you know, relationship about that. And you have to do that. Otherwise you're going to get into a crisis that makes it unbearable mm-hmm. in, in, in every situation. Although I will, I will, I will say that there are so many in our group that we hear talking all the time about challenges because their parents don't want to address the situation. They will say, it's none of your business. You don't need to know about all of this. And this is where it gets really hard because Again, you don't need to know until you do. Yeah. And then yeah. and then you really need to have all of that in place. And so I think that it's it's figuring out what is the best way to communicate with your parent. Every personality is different, family dynamics come into play, birth order, all of that. You know, maybe one sibling has a different kind of relationship where they are 
their parents maybe listen to them more for whatever reason. Maybe there's another one of the siblings that has the soft touch, you know, so, so it, it, you can kind of play to the strengths of the siblings to see how can we approach this, assuming that the siblings are on the same page, which is super important, or at least close to the same page, but, but looking for ways, or frankly, even maybe getting their doctor involved. Is there a close friend? Is there somebody from church? you know, whatever it might be that can help appeal to them. Interestingly, in my, in our situation for getting my mom more interested in, into the idea of moving into to independent living, it was actually her brother. My brother and I had just mentioned it to her at Christmas time about, Hey, you know, do you want to maybe just go look at a few places? No, no, I'm good. I'm here. Okay, great. This is going to be fun. Wow. Okay. And then a month later, her brother came into town and mentioned the idea and she was sort of a little bit hesitant, but he said, come on, you know, cause you can talk to your siblings sometimes differently than you might your parent. So he just said, come on, let's go look. And, you know, two days later I get a phone call from her and she says, Oh, Hey, I'm moving. I signed the lease. This is awesome. And I was, and I said, Oh, okay. You know, first a little bit of panic because she signed legal documents without me or my brother knowing, uh, but it was all good. But on the other side, so grateful and thankful that she had made that decision on her own to be able to make that move. But again, that was my uncle who really in some ways had interestingly a little bit of a different influence than even we had had previously. Before we continue with this week's conversation, I want to talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast and that would be Elemental Aesthetics. So about a month ago, uh, I got hit with a sinus and ear infection and it was awful. And it's one of those things that with the Midwest where I live and the allergies, if I don't get a hold of the allergies, then it turns into a sinus infection. But this was the first time I think that I've ever had an ear infection and it was, ugh, it's just awful. I still actually have some residual effects of the infection. Well, I'm bringing all this up because when this took place, a couple of people approached me and said, have you tried a salt room for your allergies? And I said, actually, I have not taken advantage of the salt room that is in my backyard. Not literally, but I'm talking about at Elemental Aesthetics. So at the brand new location of Elemental Aesthetics, they have a salt room. And I don't think there's really anybody else in the area that has this kind of salt room therapy. And the salt room helps with asthma. It helps with allergies. It helps with acne. It helps with eczema. It is Oh, it's amazing. It also has been shown to reduce anxiety, fatigue, stress. All you do is you sit there. Okay, so how exactly does salt therapy work? Basically, the dry salt, it can be imagined behaving like a toothbrush and it cleans the respiratory system. It removes that buildup of foreign elements that could cause the various respiratory ailments and conditions. And again, you just sit there and you just relax. That's all you need to do. And this is available to you at Elemental Aesthetics. You can learn more about salt therapy at elementalaesthetics.com. And while you're there, check out the specials that they have for the month of June at Elemental Aesthetics. Again, it's elementalaesthetics.com. All right, let's get back to this week's conversation. 
And let me just ask with the the group that you are talking about that say, hey, they are just resisting. They don't want to talk about it. I mean, you can't just throw your hands up. These are your parents. It's going to make it so, so tough when they do get sick or pass away if, if you don't have anything in place. And we had somebody recently in our group who posted that mom and dad were 89 and 87, don't have a will. I don't know what to do. They need to have a will. When I brought it up, they get all mad about, oh, you're just trying to get, get our money. And, and no, that's not the case. It has nothing to do with the money. It's when you do pass away. And unfortunately, we all die eventually. But when that, when that happens, it's going to be such a crisis situation and such a bad time for me. But it's going to be even worse if you don't have anything in place. And I'm going to have to go through so many different hoops to try and take care of things. I would love to just have to concentrate on the grief I have because I'm losing you. And if you can play it off that way, most parents, not all, of course, most parents want to help their children. They want to be as kind and considerate and giving to their kids as far as love as they can. And that's what this would be. We had one woman that shared with us that the way she had kind of worked it was that her mom years before had said, I don't ever want to be a burden on you. And when it got to the point where she needed to get this paperwork in order, she just said, Mom, you once shared with me that you don't ever want to be a burden. If we don't do this, then that's going to be the case. The challenge again is just that some people have different family dynamics. There are some that don't have the great relationships. There are there are tough, tough challenges. There have been, you know, families that have had really a lot of struggles. And so that, of course, adds a whole level of complexity. And maybe that's the time when you need to try to get some outside counsel because, you know, if you're not able to communicate well. And I also think that there is, I think it is a little bit of a generational thing as well, because that generation is so much more private. Where if you look at yeah. our kids, and I can't imagine you know, when your kids are, the, are even in their twenties, you know they are a complete open book. They talk about everything. They they share everything. Where our 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 parents really don't, and so they're very they can be very private about things, and they don't want to be a burden. And I think that sometimes too, that's maybe why they resist because they don't want you to have to take care of all of this stuff, yeah. but. But the reality is, is that many cases, if you don't step in and help, then things can go really wrong. They're not paying their bills. They're not taking their medication on time. They're not taking care of themselves. So I think it's really figuring out how do you appeal to your parents based on your family dynamics, all of those things that come into play and figure out, is there a strategy, if you will, you know, if one, you know, for one family, it may be humor. For one family, it may be that plea, you know, for another family, it may be, Hey, I just heard about this and we realized that we hadn't updated our will. So we're doing that. Hey, just curious, you know, where you're, where do you keep your will? You know, I'm assuming that you have one, just wanted to know that if we, you know, obviously we don't need it now, you keep it wherever you need to, but, but does, does anybody have a copy of it or is it in your safe? And, you know, frankly, though, then you have to ask, do I know how to get into the safe just in case? But I think it's just trying to figure out how do I have those conversations because it is heartbreaking when you hear those people who won't address it. And we actually were speaking just this morning and one of the women that we talked to uh, about parenting aging parents said, my parents are the ones who just stick their fingers in their ears and they're like, la, 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 la. We don't hear you talking and asking these questions and we're not going to address it. And they've even gone to an attorney and the attorney just said, 
you know, there's, there's really, mm-hmm. you can't force them to do it if, of course, they're of sound mind. If they're not, then that brings up a whole nother, whole nother complication. Because if you have a parent who really is far along in dementia, that kind of situation and hasn't taken care of this, there are legal steps you can do to sort of force the issue. But that's a, that's a super complicated and expensive process. So of course, you don't want to have to do that unless you absolutely have to. So would this be a good time to maybe transition into those practical questions that everyone that's 40 (laughs) plus should ask their parents? Sure. Yes. Sure. You know, one of the first ones is about housing. You know, talk to them, you know, even if they're even if they're young, so to speak, and living at home and everything's fine. But start talking to them about, you know, where do you want to live eventually? You know, have you seen independent living? Have you seen how nice it is? You know, can you afford something like that? You know, assisted living, memory care. You know, what do you think about that? Do you want to stay in the home? Do you need to live with me? Do you need to live? You know, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, are they staunch, firm about I'm staying in this house until I die? Or I'm definitely living with you because I don't mm-hmm. want to spend my money. You know, what kind of mm-hmm. attitude do they have? Because it's just going to help you in the long run. And also, I think helpful to think about what are they actually open to? While here is in a perfect world, I would say at home, are they open to the idea, though, if they get really sick and can't afford to bring in 24 seven home care or home health care. We had somebody the other day share with us. He had spent $27,000 a month to be able to bring in 24 seven care for his mom. And they just said this, it wasn't sustainable. And so fortunately or unfortunately, they didn't need it for very long because unfortunately she passed but they couldn't have they couldn't have sustained that more than a little bit of time and there are some families that can't sustain that at all so in that conversation okay look, here's our ideal scenario and if that's not possible because of health challenges whatever what are you what are you at least open to we we had one person who shared in the group that they had their their mom had actually written a letter to herself you know years prior and just said if i ever get to the point where i'm a burden or you feel like my memory is you know, too shot for me to be able to stay safely at home, show me this letter and let me read it. And so that, that she has that so that in the case, in the situation where she feels like they're at that point, you, you know, that hopefully you can bring that letter out and hopefully mom will still agree with, you know, not say, wait, hey, that's not my handwriting, you know, or anything like that, but that they'll still, they'll see it in their own handwriting and really feel like, okay, now's time. And the housing conversation is tied to the the other thing that you really have to talk about, which is finances. And mm. so many of our parents, at least for me, are very private about their finances, especially when you're little. When I was young, I had no idea what my dad made and he didn't tell me and he kept it a secret. And uh, I laugh about and I tell Kim the story about how when, when I was in high school, uh, I'm with my dad as he's buying a car and the the, the finance person at the car dealership says, uh, uh, Mr. Barnes, uh, how much money do you make? And my dad leans in and looks at him and says, well, how much do I need to make to buy this car? <laughs> and the guy, guy gives him a number and my dad says, that's what I make. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. But, but you've got to know how much money, not not, not, down not, to, the not to the penny, but, but what your parents can afford. You know, if all they have is social security and they bring in $2,000 a month on social security and it's time to look at, at independent living and you find one that's $4,000 a month, 
that doesn't equal up, but you know, mm-hmm. you need to know that ahead of time. Uh, my dad, as private he's, as he was, he was an accountant, as private as he was about money when I was a kid. Now he gives my sister and me quarterly statements that says down to the penny mm-hmm. what he has. So, yeah. so, so we knew as we're looking for memory care for my mom, we knew what he could afford. And even as he was getting a little nervous about it, because he's, he was used to being mm. very poor in the sixties that, that when he, they're spending a lot of month, yeah, every they're month, spending for their a lot care. of money now and, 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 and reminding him, dad, you know, we sold the house. So you've got this much money there and it's going to pay for you and mom for this, this many months. And you're going to be fine. It's nothing to worry about. We're okay. He's like, yeah, son, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's just a lot of money, but, but you just need to be open about the, the money, you know, is there a lot of debt somewhere? Is there some, are there some assets to, you know, do you own a second house somewhere that, that you don't know about? Or, or is there some income that you don't know about? Oh yeah. Well, I've got that pension. That's $50,000 a year. You didn't know about that. Oh no. Wow. How, how about that? <laughs> Stuff like that. You just need to know again, not so you can start counting the money that, Oh, look what I'm going to get when I inherit it, but more of a case of what can mom and dad afford when it's time to go into independent living or assisted living or like my mom in memory care, it's just going to help the process mm-hmm. just so you're, you have a, a better understanding of what's going on. And so you can prepare because we see so many people in the, in our Facebook group talk about the fact that their parents live with them because their parents don't have any money. And that really became sort of the only option. And if that's the case, you know, if you know that ahead of time, maybe you can make better plans as far as, okay, do we need, do we've heard of people that'll, you know, buy a house together or, or they'll buy a different house because that way it it has a better floor plan for being able to have your parents living with you and things like that. So it, it is, there are some people that will say, you know, my mom wants to live with me because she just wants to live with me, right? Because she just thinks I'm the responsible one and I'll take good care of her. And while that can work great, it's also just helpful if it's going to be out of a financial necessity that you are prepared as well and not surprised by it. We've even had people in the group who will say, my parents don't have any money. Should I take money out of my 401k to be able to provide Mm -hmm. for their care? And most financial people that we've talked to would say, well, that's a terrible idea because then you're going to be in the same situation for your children. So it's, the finances are really, really tough. And we already touched on legal is so, so important. You just want to make sure that you have those, the, you know, the durable POA, the medical POA, the HIPAA, the, the, um, medical medical directives, those kinds of things that are just in place so that they're just available and ready when they need it not anything that you have to enact right now. Yeah. And for, for all these things, I compare it to when you have a baby and, and they get older and older and older and you start talking about college. It's not like you wait until the day after they graduate from high school and say, Oh, Hey, how much money is this going to cost? Uh, do you need to take any tests? Uh, <laughs> hmm. What, what do we need to do? Is it an application process? What, how do we do this? Uh, it's something that you plan for a long time through the school system, but even at home as you're starting to, you know, set up a college fund or something for your kid. And it's something similar with mom and dad that you need to start early on, not with a college fund, but just start early on, just kind of planning ahead of time. So, you know, okay, here's where mom and dad want to live or here's where they need to live. Here's how much money they have. Here's what they can afford. Here's what they can't afford. You know, ahead of time so that you can kind of plan accordingly and, and give them what they need and give them what the, what they give, what they can get the best. And, and one last point, which sometimes we always, you know, it's sort of funny when you think about it, but can make your life a whole lot easier or a whole lot more difficult is knowing their passwords. 
if you don't know how to get into their iPhone, get into their iPhone, you're sunk. You, yeah. you know, the, the companies will not, or, or, or any kind of phone, yeah. the company does not get you in. If you have, impo- if there's important information in there, if you can't get into their computer, if you can't uh, help them potentially pay bills, if they're doing those online, I frankly go in and check my mom's email to help protect her from all of those scam emails she gets every single day, multiple times a day. It makes me crazy. Uh, but I'm glad that I can go in and just sort of look for things, just get those out, delete them before I ever have to worry about her clicking on something. So they can be from a very practical mm-hmm. uh, standpoint and a, and, a, and a useful tool, but also in case you need to step in, it will make it so much easier to well, be able to help. Think about if something happens to dad and he gets his bills you know, via email. And the, the electric bill, the the mortgage, the the gas bill, whatever it is, they come in via email. If you can't get into there, who's going to pay him? If you can't get into his bank account to pay it, who's going to pay him? Now, yes, if you have a power of attorney, that will help. But it's still going to be a little bit more of a headache than if you can just take care of it and not have to worry about it. It's still going to be a crisis, but not quite as big. Okay, that college comparison really, like, that hit me. That is so true. Like, w- yeah, we don't wait until their senior year of college and the day a- or high school and the day after like, OK, you <laughs> now graduated. Then. Now what? Uh-huh. So that yeah, that really hit me. And what you said about the passwords again, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, we are really new to the whole will and trust game and just finalized all that. But having that great lawyer that tells you like they gave us homework and Mm -hmm. it's still not complete. Mm -hmm. We are working on it, but it is like, okay, so you want to do this, 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 and this make a copy of your passwords. This needs to go with this person. This Mm -hmm. needs to go here. This is what needs to go in the safe. And I didn't even think about that. I mean, kind of, but not 100%, but especially with the person that we have designated for our financial affairs, like, Mm -hmm. duh, how would they pay for that if they don't have the password? So, yes, very, very, very smart to do all of that. Just you constantly are going to update it mm-hmm. if, you know, things change, but definitely do that. Mm-hmm. I think in speaking of that, why don't we talk about the like you were just saying, Kim, about the scams and mm-hmm. tech and all of that? It is so so disheartening. It just, oh, I hate hearing mm. these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the first things we taught both of our parents, teaching my dad and teaching Kim's mom, was don't click on anything in an email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and, I have to remind myself of that right, sometimes. Exactly, exactly. And they, they, both, they both know how to forward emails to us all the time. Oh, son, what's this? You I don't know? have a PayPal account. Yeah. What do I do with this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, no, you don't. Did, did you see the silly Gmail account where this came from? Right. No. Oh, so, so yeah. you know, that's one of the big ones. But, but sometimes the, the scams are so elaborate that you can't help but oh, but laugh if, uh, to keep from crying. We have heard just horror stories from everything from a uh, a, a friend's dad who lived in a father-in-law who was in California. They were moving him to Austin. Everything was all planned. They get out there and they realize that he has been scammed out of $100,000 by somebody <sighs> who was taking just a little bit at a time. We have, have another friend who whose uh, uh, husband's grandmother was had macular degeneration, lived by herself, but otherwise was very self-sufficient. Uh, a, a person came and started doing her, her yard, knocked on the door. Can I do your yard? Great. 
uh, and they he became a regular and started coming weekly or however often. And they went down to visit months later, and they noticed they opened up a couple of drawers and all her silver was gone. And what had happened, you know, they were thinking how in the, it wasn't like they just broke in. They they befriended her and she befriended them and she would bring them in for lemonade. And because she didn't have great vision, they had kept enough pieces in the China cabinet so that there were still some things, you know, you could without, even with bad vision, you could see sort of shadows, but she never, I mean, she wasn't still, you know, it really wasn't entertaining. And so she didn't even notice that they had been gradually a little bit at a time taking things out. So many, so many stories. My mom was a victim of one of the the gift card schemes that started with, you know, somebody thinking, you know, getting her to think that they she needed help with her computer. And so they started working with her on that. And, and this was all when she was a little more independent. So she wasn't asking me these, I didn't know to ask these questions like, Hey, are you getting random phone calls from people who are telling you that your Microsoft needs updating and you don't even have it or, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but she, uh, they kind of, they're, they're very sneaky. They are very sneaky. And long story short, she had ended up going to the bank taking out money, buying gift cards, giving them all the codes. And the way they did it is that they were able to say, oh, we're going to, we we are not able to buy them, but we're going to give you the money to do it. But we just need a favor to just help execute the transaction. Yeah, we'll put it in your checking account. And what they had done is they had actually just transferred money from her her savings account into her checking account. So it was still <sighs> her own money. But to be able to do, you know, to, to be able to give you the money, we need access to your bank account. So they were able to do that. And fortunately, I mean, it was thousands of dollars, but fortunately it wasn't a hundred thousand or something, you know, didn't, didn't wipe her out, but it's just one of those things. Oh, there is a special place for those people. And the worst uh, thing is it almost happened again. Right. It almost happened again. Oh. After that first scenario, I ended up uh, getting to know her banker in Houston. So I, we're on a first name basis. He has my cell phone number, uh, which is not what you necessarily ever expect. And he called me. Uh, this was, a, I guess, about a year later after we had to you know, close accounts, open new accounts, shut off her online banking so that even if those people were able to still get into her computer, we, we tried to shut all that down, got a computer person to look at it, make sure that there weren't any back doors. But even just in case, we shut down any of her online banking access from her computer. So that computer was safe. But I get a call from him who says, hey, I just want you to know that your mom just called me. She was on her way to get some to withdraw money so she could go buy gift cards. Fortunately, thank I'm so thankful that she thought to call him because she said he said, I just want you to know that I told her to turn the lift around, tell him to take you home and call your daughter. And thankfully, she did. And the challenge is, is that your first thought or my first thought is, mom, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? You know, which is kind of what we tell our, you know, would say to our teenagers sometimes when they made questionable, you know, decisions. Uh, but, but, and that's the challenge is that I had to be really careful because the, the more I made her feel bad about it, she already felt bad and felt dumb. Uh, and, and, and vulnerable because she, she just said, I don't know why I, I know that that was that I shouldn't have done that, but I just don't know why I did it. And so, so those are just a few examples. And, and, and so it's just really challenging and you have to have that really open relationship where they can feel comfortable. And I tried to make my mom feel better in, in the sense that, okay, mom, these people are pros and they know how to convince you. So just know that 
other people fall prey to this too. It's not your fault. Let's try to be a little bit more mindful. And now she knows when those people call her on the phone, it's taken years. She, she just hangs up on them. At first she was, you know, she, I, I was like, just don't even try to talk to them anymore. Don't say, don't call me again. I'm not interested. Just hang up. You know, so I'm, we've been working on some of that, but it is, it is challenging. And, you know, people call and solicit over the phone and ask for donations to different organizations. And, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a scam per se, as much as they just prey a little bit on the, on the elderly, I, I yeah. believe. And, you know, don't make a note that, oh, wait, you just donated last week and we're calling you again this week. And so you donate again, and then we're going to call you again next week. <laughs> you know, well, we had, we had a, a political person from another state call Kim's mom to get money. And, and, and mom said, yes. And Kim had to go online and try to get it back. Yeah. Fortunately, it's interesting. It's actually fairly easy. It's all an automated system. When you call the number, to, when it says, if you made, if you want to get a refund for a political donation, click here. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, if they have to have that in their voice prompt, it must happen right. enough. And maybe we should think about well, our practices, but that's a whole other, a whole other topic. Well, you, when you were talking about the woman and the lemonade and the cutting the grass, I have been trying to rack my brain on who told me this not that long ago, but it's something along the lines of those individuals who are watching their prey mm-hmm. for, th- or maybe it, gosh, I cannot remember, but I, I know it was something along the lines of it was neighbors, friends, or what have you, but the husband and wife, the husband had passed away. So they knew that the elderly wife was there and it was a befriending situation that it would just became that way because she was lonely. And it breaks my heart to even know that because like she was lonely and she just lost her husband. And then you have these people that are taking advantage of them and especially just like check on your neighbors, look at them, watch them, keep an eye out because you just, I hate to say you can't trust anybody, but it really, let's just say the trust should, it it has definitely, definitely declined over the years. I mean, gosh, I just, I hate it. Well, and the hard part is that some of these scams, like the man who lost $100,000 or even the gift card scheme that my mom fell prey to, there's nothing the police can do because you did it. You you wrote the checks. You gave them the money. You gave them the pin codes. Uh, So that's that's the biggest challenge is that there's oftentimes very little recourse because they're doing it in, they're doing it in such a way that it's potentially little amounts at a time they're uh, you know you they feel like they're helping them and it's just yeah it, it makes me it makes me crazy well we are running out of time we haven't even talked about <laughs> what it's like to have the college kids and taking care of both and the stress and all of that so I would love to refer people to where they can reach you. I know that you are focusing on the parenting aging parents, mm-hmm. but I also know that you have resources too for what you two are in the middle of with those college kids. <laughs> where can people go or tell me last minute things that you would like the listener to know before we wrap up this conversation? 
the the best place to find us is just to go to our website, parentingagingparents.com. That will give you access to dozens of interviews that we've done with experts just to often bring up questions and thoughts that you might not have even realized that you might need to consider. That's available for everybody. And then there's also a button right on the homepage and on probably every other page uh, that lets you join the Facebook group if you'd like to. It takes you right to Facebook. You can join the group. We have thousands of people in that group. And it's just really amazing to see everybody helping each other. Sometimes it's just, I just need to vent and share. Sometimes it's, hey, do you have any suggestions? Do you have any thoughts? And we're able to help. It just makes us feel good, I think when we can share some of the things that we've gone through and the lessons we've learned with somebody else who's in that boat, just like you talked about earlier about having those people who are just a a few steps ahead of you can be so valuable to make you feel like you're not alone. And I think the biggest thing to remember here is that we've never done this before. Just like when you bring home a newborn for your first child, you've never done that before. We've never parented our parents. And so that's, it's important for us just to remember and give ourselves a little bit of grace because we're learning on the fly as well. And the difference there is that, as you know, from when you brought home your first baby is that, that when you first bring home your first baby, you have no idea what you're doing. You're Mm -mm. completely overwhelmed. You're lost, but you have so much help because every friend, neighbor, coworker, relative has help advice. Hey, here's what you need to do to get little Johnny to sleep through the night. Here's what you do to get rid of the gas. Here's what you do to get them to start crawling. Here's what you do to get them to start walking. They always have advice and it's great news. It's fun. It's you love it. It's similar here, except that it's bad news. It's not yeah. fun. It's not good. So you don't want to talk about it and no one wants to come help and talk about it too, because it's kind of depressing. It's usually something that's only going to get worse. So because of that, so many people sit in silence and we have so many people in our group who say, I'm so glad I found this because I have felt so, so alone. And we're, 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 we're so glad that they're not anymore, that we're all in this together. And I would think too, that those individuals and then I'll just lump myself in this too, that when we start going through this and we start turning to people like you two, then it does set us up for when we're older to be open to having those conversations or having some things in place already for our kids. So it's kind of just like, you know, I don't want to say practicing. It, It just, you're getting yourself set up too. You don't want that to happen when it is your turn. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Set up everyone for success. That's the best thing. Well, Mike and Kim, thank you so much. I will have everything that you talked about as far as how to reach you linked up on the show notes page at jilldevine.com. And yeah, let's maybe come back to this conversation <laughs> with the uh, the college kids. I definitely am going to need some advice on that <laughs> as well. <laughs> and and talk about things, uh, you know, in the future. So thank you, you so much for taking the time. We thank would, you. We would love to visit with you again. And thanks so much for having us. And before before I say goodbye, a reminder to check out Elemental Aesthetics, one of the sponsors of the podcast. They have some amazing specials happening this month. You can try a new retail product at 15% off. You can get free dermaplaning with a Splinter X laser facial, which I am in the process of doing. I did this last month and I'm doing it again this month and it is fantastic. And to learn more about this, just go to elementalaesthetics.com. And I will add that when you call and you set up an appointment and you 
you mention my name, you're going to get a little gift on the house. 314-279-6069. That number also allows you to text. So maybe you just don't feel like talking. Just text. You can do that as well. Again, 314-279-6069. Mention my name and you'll get a free little goodie bag. I'd like to thank you for listening to Two Kids and a Career. You can follow along on all the social media outlets. You can find those at jilldevine.com on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I would love to hear from you. Reach out. I love getting some feedback and learning more about what you're interested in. And again, thank you for supporting Two Kids and a Career.